production. At one point, business owner Bryony Kennedy had a credit card and overdraft debt of $500,000 and was doing everything she could to make her business succeed. Then she implemented a marketing idea she should have done long ago, and today her multi-million dollar business is thriving. It's a Not For The Faint Hearted episode 562 of the 12-year-old award-winning small business big marketing podcast. And welcome back to your weekly dose of risky business. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, and I have an insatiable curiosity for uncovering marketing strategies and ideas that help businesses just like yours to grow. You, on the other hand, are a motivated business owner and you are so ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful, beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And guess what? That's exactly what we do around here. That is why this podcast has existed for that long. As per usual, team, there's marketing G-O-L-D, dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Quick update, amazing feedback from my chat with online course expert Tina Tower. That was last week's episode. Tina explained to us how we're all standing on a mountain of knowledge and we could all turn it into online courses and live happily ever after. Not that easy, but a lot easier than you think. Some of the comments from listeners overflowing with gold said, Pete, exactly what I needed to hear, said Steph. I've bought Tina's course and I'm already halfway to creating my own course, says Jono. I love it. I love it. I love it. Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 561 is where you'll find that episode. Or if you don't need convincing that you should turn your knowledge into an online course and make some extra dough, then grab Tina's course over at tinatower.com forward slash Timbo, and I will give you a free signed copy of my book. A big thank you to my nephew, Adam Littlechild of Convert Digital for suggesting I get Bryony Kennedy on this podcast. Now, Bryony is the founder and manufacturer of the online cosmetics brand Adorn Cosmetics, which is on a mission to revolutionise the beauty industry with certified ethically made products, cosmetics in particular, that don't harm animals or the earth. And boy, oh boy, is Briny a smart business owner. Besides sharing how she managed a mountain of expensive debt to launch her business, she also reveals the big marketing idea that catapulted the business forward, why she does Facebook Lives in the bath, for her adorners, how she cleverly encourages paid trial of her products, and so much more. I started off asking Bryony to take us behind the scenes of the cosmetic industry in 2008. Adorn was a year off launching, and I wanted to know what made her so angry that she needed to start a cosmetics business. Look, back then, I guess there wasn't really anything that was as ethical as we've got today. Um, And for me, I guess it was really just not having the choice of natural products that actually did something. I'm time poor, a lot of us are, and I just got really frustrated with having to go between different brands, reading different labels, looking at the different ethics behind brands. How bad is it? Just just describe to us, like it literally... Are we, are we being lied to? Look, 
I don't I don't know that well I think yeah look, let's let's face it I think there's always a little bit of mayonnaise on things isn't there so that we buy things um it's <laughs> the nicest way of putting it and uh, and I look I try not to focus too much on talking badly about other brands because I think you know they, they've got their place in this this world and you know for some that's all they're they're interested in but for me the biggest thing that's always irked me is waste and plastic and so for me it was really about how do I create a brand that I want to use, that I feel confident in using, that I can use the whole range so there's not this bit of this, bit of that, and then someone else I'm using something else from. But the plastic waste is just ridiculous. I mean, if you think if you think about anything you purchase, you, you've opened up the plastic, then the box, then it's got something inside it to get to the, the packaging. And then not only that, you've got most products going to waste. They're not even being finished. And for me, it was really about aligning a brand with my values and also how do we give more with less? Uh, how do we provide a luxury product that you feel amazing using, but you feel amazing buying? What were you doing, Bryony, at the time that you had the idea for Adorn that gave you the confidence to think, yeah, I can start a manufacturing business in the cosmetics industry where budgets are huge and the brand names are global? What, what gave you the confidence to think you were onto something? Well, I'm not. I don't know if it's confidence or complete stupidity. Um, looking back on it now, but <laughs> um, I'm not sure I'd put myself through this all, all over again. I mean, the, the brand's 12 years old now, but look, you probably uh, find it interesting to know that my background actually is in the car industry. So you put you couldn't be any. <laughs> you couldn't be any more, uh, you know, away from the cosmetics uh, field. But look, obviously, I've worked in quite a lot of different fields. And I think I've learned a lot around sales, marketing, customer service. But for me, I've always enjoyed uh, makeup artistry and I've always enjoyed colouring in. So I did makeup artistry on the side. So make at weddings, um, I did a lot of theatre makeup and things like that. So for me, I had that experience, but also, of course, had the business experience behind me around supporting small businesses with their marketing. Um, I had my very first business when I was about 12, Tim. So, uh, yeah, so it was called Briny's Bunny Business. And so I was always a huge animal. Do you like the little marketing, the little slang on that? that uh, Nice, nice syntax. Tagline. Yes, yeah. So, look, I loved animals. I had two bird aviaries at the time. I used to breed birds. I had guinea pigs. I had quail, goldfish, mice, you name it, I had it. And I soon realized that apart from selling the babies, um, I could also sell the feed because I noticed that the bird seed in the shops was a lot more expensive. So I'd get my pocket money off my mum, which was $5 at the time. And I would go to the local silo, buy the seed or hay or whatever it was, put it into smaller bags and I would sell it. And I don't know whether this is something I should be proud of, but I also realized that a lot of my friends were not allowed to have uh, pets. So in primary school, I decided, okay, I'm going to sell my friend's guinea pigs or birds uh, for $3.50. I remember it. And then they were not allowed to keep them at their home. So they kept them at my house and I would charge them 50 cents. Oh, rent you're good. Me. You became a landlord. <laughs> you became a retailer. You became a, goodness me. I don't, 
I don't know whether that's something to be embarrassed about or. or, or <laughs> well, it, it obviously took you. You say you're in the car business for a long time. I'm guessing you were in sales or something, were you, for a particular yeah, car brand? Yeah. Um, it yes. just was a. It was just a matter of time before you took that leap and started your own. W- where was the fire? Because it, it is not a small thing. A to start a business. Uh, when you've been yes. an employee for so long. Yeah, but definitely. I, I, I'd have to say, to start a manufacturing business adds a level of yeah. complexity that yes. many business owners don't have to confront because, you know, you, you might be wholesaling other people's products, whatever it may be. So Correct. Yeah. Look, it, it, was a, it was a massive feat. And I think that in hindsight, if I had known at the time um, what I was getting myself involved in, um, you know, the naivety of it was probably a blessing because I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And, and I've always had um, really good gut feelings on things. I've never had a business plan. I've never had a marketing plan. Really? Uh, no, I never had anything like that. I still really don't. Good um, on it's, it's So just, just tell me work. about that because I, I'm from the same school. Uh, mm. I tend to operate more from the gut. Um, yeah. I have found through the experience of having a business plan or a marketing plan or seeing others with a business or marketing plan that they go to all this trouble to write them but then they sit on the shelf and gather dust because yeah. either life gets in the way or a new idea comes along and supersedes whatever you've captured in the marketing plan or whatever it is. Um, yeah. do, do you say that? And I love the fact that you just openly said it. Are you yeah. clearly not embarrassed by it? No, no, I'm not. And I, and I think that um, there's two things there. I, I do think that, you know, there is a saying that if, you, if your product looks absolutely uh, amazing and it's on point, then you've probably launched too late, you know. And, and I look back um, at the products that we originally launched and, my God, they're ugly. Like, honestly, how did anyone buy them? I don't know. Like, it's, But, you know, it's really about sometimes just having faith in yourself and putting that imposter syndrome aside because anyone's capable if you really set out and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, for me, it was always just surrounding myself with people that knew more than I did. So I had the idea, I had the concept, um, and the concept really started from um, I actually purchased a, a beauty salon prior to starting Adorn, um, and it was a rundown beauty salon. It was a nail bar at the time. Um, I was obviously well-versed in uh, certain aspects of beauty but not all of it, and uh, I just was really finding that the beauty salons then weren't giving a great experience. I thought, how hard could this be to give a good experience? So I set up, bought this business, and then I tailored it to a membership, which nobody thought I could do, and it was very much like a gym. So people would purchase a membership. It might have been, they might have set it to $80. So you'd get services to the value of $80 every month, but you'd get those services at 10% less. So the difference that you haven't spent would accumulate, and then it would be something that you could use towards maybe a facial you'd never be able to afford normally. So become part of uh, our customers' cash flow that they didn't feel that they were having to save up for their beauty. That was treatments. ahead of its time, Bryony. I mean, to be offering. D- d- so yeah. we're talking between uh, before two thousand and eight. I yes, mean, memberships yeah, that- were common amongst your phone plan and your gym yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But having a business, a retail business offering membership, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, there was nothing like it. And I think a lot of people did think, well, why would people give you the money? They'll just give it to you when they want to. And I'm like, yeah, but it's part of cash flow. A lot of the stress for people is seeing their money disappear. But backtracking, when I was there, I had a little visitor pop in and uh, dropped off some details about uh, producing cosmetics. And at the time, I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't 
need to be doing that. Like I wouldn't have a clue. But I did keep the card. I remember I remember a feeling in my chest that made me keep this business card of this girl that walked in. And I put it aside. And so then after I'd had the salon for a couple of years, I had done all I could do and I had enough. I wanted to get out. Um, I knew it was time to move on. Um, and so when I sold it, that same week, so the first person that looked at it bought it, and that same week I found out I was pregnant and a few weeks later I found out I was having twins. So <laughs> as as you do, yeah. as you do, as you do when you know you're having twins, I started thinking, well, what am I going to do when I'm home with these twins? So I was kind of festering some ideas, I guess, for a little while. I remembered I had that card and I thought, I wonder if I could look at maybe I don't know, making a few of my own cosmetics and maybe teaching women in their homes how to apply makeup. Because I noticed when I was at the salon, the biggest thing for women was having correct colour matching. They just had no idea what colours to use. That was the, the main issue. And that's the main issue for them buying the wrong thing and it ending up in landfill. So ethically, it, I had an issue with it, but I also knew that there was a challenge I could solve from a business point of view. So what I thought is let's just test this first because I have no idea about producing products. I really don't. I know what's good quality. I know what colours to use. So I started with a brand I won't won't name it. It was a network marketing brand at the time. It was fairly new to Australia. And I started teaching in-home makeup classes. And I soon realised that it was quite popular. Um, and I had a lot of these booked. So around breastfeeding twins and, and my husband being home, I'd, I'd trot off and I would do these classes. So I thought, I think this is now a time for me to look at my own products because I'm making this company money. I could be making more money myself. So really the idea just started about let's just make some extra money for myself. And of course, I'm going to make more if it's my products. Never did I at that point envisage it to be as big as it is. And Adorn is now a, a multi-million dollar brand. It's a huge brand. And I, I never, ever thought I would see that. I was just happy to get $500 a week. That was, well, okay, that was, there's so many questions that around my that. Goal. First of all, how does that make you feel to say what you just said around what it's worth? Well, if I'm honest, I've actually got goosebumps because it's to be—it's only been in the last four years that that's happened for me. Um, I didn't take a wage for nine, uh, eight, nine years. Just reinvested. Uh, yeah, I, we had sold our properties. Uh, my husband had used up all his annual leave. Uh, we had put everything into it and we were on the bare bones of our backsides. How were the credit about cards year. going at that? They tapped out? I had half a million dollars worth of debt and credit cards. Stop it. I'm not even just joking on you. your credit cards. Yeah, and, forget, and an forget, overdraft. And an overdraft. Forget the house yeah. and all that selling up. You've yep. had wow, yep. we, um, we yeah, okay. we did. And look, I'm just sweating. Hang that, on, I've just got to wipe yeah, my brow. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and I and I think that please don't take that advice on board anybody. But back then, I mean, I was so lucky. I had the overdraft because I'd already had the beauty salon, so I was able to quantify that what, I. What interest were you money. paying on that credit card? Sorry, is that was that eighteen percent or thereabouts? Oh yeah. And for how good. long did you have half a million bucks hanging out on a credit on credit cards? Credit and overdraft. And overdraft. Um, so, th so this that that increased over time. And what, yeah, what no happened doubt. It's was, called compound interest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, back then, uh, you couldn't get business loans. Okay, and and it's pretty hard even now. But it was just impossible then. So what I did 
I don't know whether this is really something I should admit to, but I knew that there was a, a situation where if I applied for a few credit cards at one time, oh, yeah. that, the, that the banks wouldn't know. So... <laughs> <laughs> so what? I, please don't take this advice. No, Any of these no, listeners, no come on, no be sensible. Listening. Be sensible. But I'm being realistic. I'm just being. I'm being truthful. Okay. So well, you, I, put, I couldn't get the funds, so I applied for three credit cards at one time. I had that much faith in myself. I knew that this was not a great idea, but it was the only way I had to move forward. And so I got the credit cards, had the overdraft. We over that eight period of time sold. Two of our properties, hubby used up all his annual leave, sick leave, in long service what, leave. What gave you the confidence, the knowledge, whatever it is, Bryony, to know? Mm. Because, you know, compound interest compounds pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What, what did you know that gave you the confidence to have that debt hanging over your head? Mm. Because it yeah, must have been something like in a month or six months' time where you go, oh, we just, it's going to be a big payday. We'll be fine. What was that? Yeah. yeah. It's, look, it's not for everybody. And How I quantified it was this. I looked at it as my worth. If all shit hit the fan, what could I earn if I went back into the workforce? And I, I knew what my value would be. And so I worked that out that if I had to go back to work, it would maybe take me three to five years to pay that back. And that was my comfort zone. When I was outside of that, I thought that's when I'll start to question whether or not I need to to walk away or sell what I'd created. Bryony, what, um, what lever did you pull in order for things to turn around? I think you said it was only up, mm, it was only four years ago where yeah. all of a sudden Adorn Cosmetics becomes something pretty spectacular. What was there yeah. was there one thing? There, there was one thing. Um, but then, you know, in all fairness, I, I do think that, that the, you know, the silver lining, don't sit around and wait for that because at the same time, would this one thing that I'm about to explain have worked if I didn't have all the background behind me? No, it wouldn't have. So, yes, I could say this was the moment, but it was the fact that I had this foundation behind me already that really pivoted it to that next level. So I guess the mistake I made when I started Adorn was thinking that the products would stand on their own two feet because they're bloody amazing products. The quality of them is amazing. And I know our retention rate for customers is higher than average. It's way higher than average. So we've almost got a bit of a cult following the products are that good. But what I I guess for me, I never wanted to be the face of the brand. I just didn't want, I just Ugh, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do that. Um, I didn't want that responsibility. And I guess I felt like I wasn't probably good enough to be the face of the brand or tell my story around it either, because I felt back then I had to compete with Vogue and Chanel and all of that airbrushed, amazing looking stuff, because you didn't have social like you've got it now. It's quite raw now, isn't it? Where back then it was still quite filtered. And I mean, yes, there's filters now, but we, we really are looking for that rawness now. So I guess I was scared of doing that. But we were at a point where our family, and I kid you not, they were buying our food. We had no money left, nothing left. The brand was growing and that was the hardest thing because the brand was growing, but we had no money left because of those bloody credit cards. <laughs> you would have, would have had a we, few frequent fly points, so you oh, could have taken yeah, off somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could have. Yeah, I could have. Bahamas. So I had I had all this support, which was making me feel sick. I mean, no one wants to have their, their family buying them food. I mean, it was just awful. So I thought to myself, what more can I do? I just don't know. And my husband had been in my ear for years that you need to tell the story of Adorn. You need to be the face of the brand. People listen to you. They like you. They they That's why they did the classes with you. So I thought, oh, I've got nothing to lose right now because I've almost lost everything. Um, and so I did a video in my bathroom and the bathroom I had at the time was just revolting. It was the worst lighting. I had my phone precariously sitting on a ledge that could have fallen out at any time just yeah. to get the good good lighting. Why the Wasn't bathroom? Well, it was the only quiet place okay. in my house with three boys, Terrible acoustic, but okay. Oh, it was terrible. And I think I said, um about 50 times. It was terrible. But I have to say, the first few videos, the first three videos I did were the worst I've ever done. And they were what made us our first few million dollars, if, if you want to look at it that way. So I guess what I would always like to put across to people is sometimes the worst thing that you can do in your eyes is the best thing that you could ever do for your brand or your business. And those videos and me actually showing people how to use these products in an unfiltered raw way with a, a real person, I hate that term, but you know, an unfiltered person turned the brand around. Like to the point that I remember specifically sitting at home, looking at the phone, checking the sales on my phone because I can access the back end of the site that way. We were that tight with our cash flow. I had to, to the minute, check where money was coming from. The sales literally doubled overnight and I thought the website had had a malfunction. I, I honestly had no idea. And from that moment on, it's just been uh, constant. That's a great story. Needs to be dissected a little bit. Uh, n- there's no surprise to me, and clearly Hubby was onto something that you needed to put, you know, the owner of the business, the founder of the business, you needed to put your face to it. You've got the experience, you've done some modelling, you've done some makeup, you have the confidence in front of camera. So that seemed to me a no-brainer. And to tell that story is what people buy into and you clearly that you've, you've proved that, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, I'm guessing, so you do these videos on your phone in a grubby old bathroom with terrible acoustic. So you're <laughs> saying they're terrible because, you know, grubby bathroom, shit background, bad acoustic. Yeah. But yeah. I'm guessing... The content, and this is this massive learning here because I rattle on all the time about saying to my listeners, you know, put your head above the trench, put yourself out there as the business owner, whether it be audio, video, through blog posts, through social, whatever it is, Yeah. put yourself out there. Um, don't worry about the quality because if the content is good, if the content yes. is helpful, then you're on a winner, mm. right? And clearly oh. your content was good, right? Uh- well, absolutely. And I think it's really just what, what are your customers' pain points? Um, you, you know, do you even know what they are or are you just selling a product? You know, it's really about solving a problem for someone. You know, people aren't buying foundation. They're buying better skin. They're not buying mascara. They're buying longer lashes. You know, they're not buying lipstick. They're buying, buying more voluminous lips. You know, I, so I'd you go really... one step further and tell me if I'm wrong here, but you're, you're right. They're not buying mascara or lashes. They're they're buying confidence. I mean, your, your whole industry Correct. is based around hope and confidence. Yes. It's not about yes. having longer lashes. Correct. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Um, and, and how you achieve that, you know, in different brands will be different ways. But I think it's, it's absolutely essential for you to survive in a business to understand that. And I think when you do know that, your content becomes so much more relevant because you're not 
banging on about the product and the you know what it does it's about what it can do for these people and you know that to me is very 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 powerful but what's also very powerful is you just being real and raw about it like if I'm putting on a bit of mascara and I accidentally get a blob to the side of my face well you know show them like oh you know, oh, God, I've just made a mistake. This is how we fix it. People want to know that it's real because if you make it look too good, they feel that they can never do that and never achieve that. It's the same with fitness. It's the same it's, with fashion. It's a really interesting conundrum, that, because, again, in your industry, you know, the the, the Revlons, the Clarins, the, Cl- uh, the Cliniques of the world, they do the opposite of what you're talking about. Everything you see yes. in their branding is perfection. Yes. Uh, you'll never see a blob of mascara on a model. I imagine if I went to the, shame my naivety here, but I haven't worn makeup for at least a week. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, if I went to the Clinique's website and there were tutorials, they would be very polished tutorials yes. shot like a Hollywood yeah. movie more than an iPhone in a bathroom. So Correct. And, and they know what they're doing, right? But so do you, and you're doing mm. something the completely opposite. So it's quite an interesting learning there is that you don't have to follow the leader. And in actual fact, if you don't follow the leader, there's probably a gap in the market ready to be filled by, you know, uh, in your absolutely. case, someone like Adorn. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and one step further from that, it's also your distribution can be very unique. And so, you know, apart from the fact that I guess my issue was not being the face because I didn't feel that I could be glossy and and I couldn't shoot things with all of the equipment. I've just got my phone. But soon realised, I think, that when you're put in the trenches and you've got nothing else to lose, you know, sometimes you're forced into positions that provide the best outcomes for you. And that was definitely the case for me. But some of the other conundrums that I had over time was, of course, how do I distribute these products? How do I get them out into people's hands? And again, it's really sometimes your limitations that become, um, you know, the best avenues and revenue for your business. And so for me, I never wanted to sell into stores. The reason for that was because of the waste behind it. If the products don't sell, they go to landfill. Uh, But also, How are those products going to be best sold sitting on a shelf with millions of others with no customer service? And also from my point of view and from anyone with a business, your business is the best in its field, isn't it? That's what we believe and that's what we know to be true. And for me, having one of the highest accredited brands there is in our space, I didn't want that to sit on a shelf collecting dust because that's not fair to the product. It needs to be valued and it needs to have the truth be told about it. So I wanted to sell the products via a website. Now, 12 years ago, forget it. No one would even think to buy colour cosmetics from a website. So most people thought I had rocks in my head. And for me, I had that ethical reason why, uh, the loyalty to what I'd created why, but also from a financial point of view, I didn't, even if I wanted to have the money to go into a store, I didn't want to lose those margins and I didn't want to lose the customers. I wanted to always own the customers so that they're always getting the adorn experience, not someone else's. So how was I going to bridge that gap? that people don't want to buy something that they can't try. So we implemented a sample program. And again, that's something no one did back then. And we sold samples, heaven forbid. No one did that back then. People thought you had to give them away. And my attitude was, well, I can't afford to give them away. If no one wants to buy them, well, I'll soon figure it out. It'll be a lost cause. But for me, if I wanted to try something, I'd be more than happy to, to pay for a sample and get the best experience that way. It was a long, a long haul, uh, but 
in saying that, how many brands are now struggling and it's stepping over their own two feet, trying to create that online space and that sampling for people online because of the environment we're in now. People don't want to go into store and touch dirty, you know, unhygienic stuff. They don't want to be even near people at the moment. So we, what was so wrong back then has become so right for us now. There's a big marketing challenge, which you've sort of half alluded to solving, which is, again, your category is dominated by big advertisers. I mean, you know, you only have to open the pages of Vogue magazine and, you know, the first 12, 20 pages is one full page cosmetic ad after the other. Okay. You're competing with that. You go into stores, there's big point of sale posters, there's, there's celebrity endorsement, there's all this stuff. You don't have any of that. I'm guessing you don't even have an advertising budget of any sort. You're just no. you're just cranking out homemade videos and doing all you can from that point of view. So you've got a ch- you've got two challenges. You've got a brand awareness challenge, which is hey, I'm a dawn um, and we exist. But you've also got an education challenge because not only are mm. we a cosmetics brand, we are, and from what I can tell in my reading of your products, uh, completely, you know, non-toxic, not tested on animals, uh, you know, environmentally friendly. There's all these things that, again, uh, some would say, well, they're motherhood statements, prove it. You know, don't tell me you're funny, tell me a joke. Mm. So you've got this education process. And then I, I only last night, uh, I was saying to my girlfriend, Sarah, hey, you know, I'm, uh, who, who wears makeup? Uh, and said, you know, I'm interviewing a Dawn. And um, she said, oh, show me, come and show. I said, you, well, you wear all this makeup that's toxic. Would you consider wearing a Dawn? She goes, well, I don't know what the colours are like. And I don't know. What's... And then yep. we saw the sample stuff and... She goes, oh, you've got to pay for samples. That's a bit weird. So I'm not thinking um, everyone mm. is willing to pay for samples. Maybe you're leaving money on the table. Maybe we didn't interrogate the website enough to find that, oh, it's actually... Yeah. Yep. So there's a few challenges there, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. And look, initially before I even did the videos, one of the things that we uh, did to get brand awareness was we went to absolutely every event we could possibly go. So we were offering colour matching stations. And so what we would do is we would go to things like the you know World Vegan Day or any, something to do with Australian Made. We would even get invited to things like, say, Flight Centre's uh, annual ball and we'd be there doing touch-up makeup for events. Um, you know, you name it, any event event we could be at we went to and we did the hard slog and you know if there was makeup classes to be taught I was teaching them I had girls teaching classes so it was getting you know feet pounding the pavement and really at, at that low level just rolling getting the as sleeves much, up gla- yeah, grassroots yeah, a bit of guerrilla marketing yeah, getting in yeah, under the you know yeah, under the behind abso- the behind absolutely. the scenes yeah, absolutely. And, you know, because I knew once we got it onto people's faces, they'd buy and they, they did. Like I would do a class at someone's home with five or six ladies and I'd walk away with, you know, about $1,500. So I, there was there was no issue with the quality of the products. But, yes, there's always that that issue. So what we did with the samples, I suppose, um, you know, and, and we continue to do events for a long time. We don't do so many anymore because the, the power is really behind well, a lot of our videos. Now. Well, there's, there's definitely not. But even prior to that, the power was in the videos um but what we what we have found is that the samples are 
hugely popular and we sell hundreds and hundreds and thousands of them every year. But what we wanted to do is then make it easier again because women are still umming and ahhing about what sample to try. So decisions are something that no one wants to make. We're already worried about what we're making for dinner, who's dropping the kids off, you know, when you're going to the gym next. So how do we limit people's decision-making and increase their confidence. That's what I think it's very much any brand. You need to make it easy for them to buy. So we have sample boxes and they're put into colour palettes or colour tones, so light, medium, dark or however you want to word it. Um, There's a foundation box, there's the ultimate box. It depends on if you're just a foundation wearer or an ultimate box wearer. So always have two options, two different price points, and so people can buy them singularly or they don't want any stress, they buy them in a box. One step further, what we initiated uh, about eight years ago now was a colour matching service online. And so there is a team of beauty experts, not robots, not pictures of all these models. Do you look like her? Yes, that's the product for you. That's nonsense. You want to look like you and you want someone to tell you what suits you. So you upload a photo. And, Tim, I'd love to see your face. Upload a photo (laughs) to the colour matching service. You ain't got enough makeup, Bridie. You (laughs) ain't got enough. Um, And so you just upload a photo of yourself and a beauty expert will have a look at that. And then we link you to all of the products that suit you and your skin tone. And a first step is, of course, the samples. Um, And then once you buy the samples, you get videos on how to use them. Uh, So we're holding your hand the whole way from buying it to sampling it to using it afterwards. And then, you know, for us, um, that's just been hugely successful. Um, What have you done? You've been very clever and whether you've fallen into this or not, but you've created what is generally a mass offering of, you know, buy this foundation, buy this mascara, and and, and these brands just sell them, right, In, in the thousands. You've somehow managed to personalise this, create what feels like a community. It feels like you almost know each individual customer. That would be unrealistic, but I'm sure you know many of your customers by name and they know you and it's really uh, quite unusual in your industry and I think that's a big reason for your success. It's a roll the sleeves up marketing strategy. Yeah, I, I, look, I totally agree and I think that, uh, look, will, will this work for every brand owner? Probably not. If I, I think I there's tell an you element what, of it'd per- be a bloody good step forward if more brand owners. I, I agree. Yes, you know, I agree. Took the time. I, look, I totally agree, and I think it does come down to personality, charisma, that honesty. That you know, that there's certain elements that you know people look for, and I do think more people need to step up. And in our industry, definitely, there's not a lot of uh, brand owners that um, talk about their products at all. One of the things that we also tried probably well, less than a year ago now was taking that loyalty, as you said, the cust- that personalised service one step further, and that was creating a private group on Facebook. Now, I always thought, well, we've already got Instagram, Facebook. I do lives. And so- Is it true that uh, you do lives from the bath and you call it Waffle with Briny? Yeah, bath time waffle with Bridie, yeah. And, <laughs> I I, and, I, and I, I, I'm butt naked, so, you know, no one can see anything, it's PG. <laughs> but it's how raw can you get? I thought to myself, first of all, it started because I don't get time to myself at home and so the only place I can hide is in the bath from my kids. <laughs> 
So I, th- I, I often have a scotch in the bath too, oh, which I'm not funny. sure if I should admit, but I have a scotch in the bath. It's, it's all top shelf stuff, right. Tim. Right. Um, and I thought, I'm going to just have a chat with these people. And I think because I am naked, how much raw can you be? And whether I am actually showing them how to remove makeup, I could be talking to them about uh, my day. It doesn't matter. It just It's that engagement and that Brilliant. trust that you're building. But it's got to be genuine. People see through it if it's nonsense. Like if you're just, if if it's self-serving, it becomes very obvious. So for me, it's about, okay, I find this interesting, but what is in it for the customers to actually give me their time? Because time is the most valuable commodity that any of us have. So if someone gives you their time, Give them something of value. If they leave a comment, they've left you, they've given you their time, comment back. You know, it's these things. You you can't constantly be searching for new customers, nurture the ones you've got. So this community that we've got is almost a cult, I think, because they're so bloody loyal. I love them to bits. And, you know, there's over 4,000 women in this group and it's not even seven months old. And they are now taking their own lives in this group, teaching each other, they're even submitting their own tutorials. Like I cannot believe the confidence in these women. It's become absolutely, you know, hair Do you ever think that this stuff. brand could be something bigger than selling makeup? And clearly you see the, the benefit of Adorn Cosmetics is in providing hope and confidence. But could Adorn Cosmetics become a personal development brand in the future? Yeah, I guess I've, I've actually not thought of that, Tim. You, you might be here, but I might have to talk to you about this off air. Hey, yeah, I'm just going uh, yeah, my invoice book. Just one tick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I do, I do think that, that. Look, there are things that I am looking at that um, support support other avenues around this business, and and but our next step at the moment is actually taking the brand uh, to more customers. So we are looking at ads and things like that outside of social, but globally will be our next. Uh, protocol and looking at 3PL and things like that. So uh, I still very much want to control the brand and the customers. So I'm not looking at distributors, but very much looking at stations. Um, I have an amazing concept store uh, that's more of an experiential. Oh, wow. yeah, and I, I can't I can't divulge it because someone will steal my idea. But I've been working on that for about six years now, and so that's something that I'm super excited about. Especially when we get out of COVID, I think people are going to just be banging. So on like the doors a, fla- a flagship store somewhere, like I interviewed yeah. the girls from Spell and the Gypsy Collective who have a yes. shop in Byron, um, and yes. people. It's a destin. It's honestly a destination. I was Correct. only there about four weeks ago in Byron. I drove past the store at about ten to nine. There was a queue out the yes. front. Maybe they had a special sale. I don't know. But literally 20 women waiting for the yep. doors to open. So it's interesting yeah. um, looking at um, e-commerce brands and seeing that move to bricks and mortar. Uh, mm. it, it makes a lot of sense to me, just that touch and feel. And again, it yes. puts it develops a greater trust and confidence. Oh, this is the real deal. Like these guys are real. They have a shop. It's sort of weird kind of yeah. consumer it, psychology, it, it, isn't it? It but, is that, isn't it? And it's almost like when you see an ad on TV, you think, oh, yeah. okay, maybe they are good. You know, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah it, that's it's, right. It's, weird. It's a, 
it's a weird thing. And but the like other the thing, thing in your industry is pricing. Like, you know, oh, I, I'm imagining yeah. the margins are pretty good because no one wants to buy a $9 foundation. You know, you have to, you, you're almost forced to charge. And I, I, I gather, I don't know pricing in your industry, but I, I did look at your prices and I'm figuring they're sort of mid-range, but they're still, you know, you look at it and go, wow, you know, there's a bloke I go, really? Would you pay yeah, that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. You'd be thinking, wow, would your women pay that? You how, know? Do you, and yes, how do you play? Is pricing something you lose sleep over? Um, do you play with the elasticity of the of the various products that you have and see where it lands or how do you manage well, that? It, it's it's very much priced around, you know, the ingredients that we use. So it's it's because we are Australian made. Price plus, uh, um, ingredients plus margin or something. Yeah, yeah. So we look at the quality of the ingredients and then, of course, we look at a, a margin. And we are fortunate that because we own our own brand um, and it's owned solely by me um, and we don't have distributors and things like that, that we do get the whole margin. Um, so we're not spreading that thing through selling through other stores or other, on uh, sorry, bricks and mortar stores. So for us, it's, yeah, it's looking at that and then looking at, say, a coefficient of, of how much we want to sell over and above that. Um, look, we're definitely not uh, a cheap brand. We're not the most expensive the most either, expensive. but we're no, that's right. But we probably sit somewhere between that sort of luxury mid-range price point. But thank, I think thank you for you using the word to- coefficient, Bryony. I haven't. It hasn't been used on the show in the first oh. 12 years and um, I think it was you and the show- maths and I failed that so um, I sh- Am I showing my age? Well, it's you're probably- showing your intelligence more than your age <laughs> oh, okay, Tell good. me, um, good. you've um, uh, wrapping things up, you've got a um, you've got a podcast, which I think is fantastic and again, you know, clearly you're, the t- you're a hustler marketer in the sense that, you know, podcast, not expensive to make, huge impact takes yep. time What yeah, what, yeah. Um, what have you seen? Um, I think you're, you're about 20 episodes in, am I right there? Yeah, that's right. Look at again, it's just adding another layer, isn't it? You know, pe- people can't always sit down and watch you. So everybody's got, you know, different, whether they need to sit and, and, and listen or on the go listen. Um, but people are intrigued by my story. And, and I have obviously, you know, being a mum of twins, three boys, I have uh, suffered depression. Um, I've had anxiety. Uh, I've had all sorts of different journeys around the different businesses that I've had. Um, and, you know, I think people are just interested, like, you know, the discussions we've had today, how did you start? How did you get through it? You know, were you sucking your thumb in a corner ever? Yes, I was. Uh, did you have moments where you, you felt like this is this is the most stupid thing? Yes. You know, have I had moments where What's I've lost, the self-talk lost everything? to get out of all this? Because I've heard you say on one of your podcasts, I've had more struggles than I've had triumphs. Yeah. What is your, yep. and, and that would be fairly common, you know, imagine a life yeah. where you had more triumphs than struggles. Geez, yeah, that'd be a blessed yeah. life, wouldn't it? Maybe. Would, but, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't you? What's your self-talk when you're in the corner sucking on the thumb? Look, well, from someone who has had mental health issues in the past, you know, I've really had to work on myself and my self-talk. And for me, it's it's not been something that happened overnight, but it was very much I need to right at this moment only think about this moment because I can't control anything else. So my whole day is always bringing myself back to the moment that I'm in because I am naturally aligned to being 
anxious because I'm constantly living in the future. I'm like, what I want to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm a hundred miles an hour, and and you know, or a thousand miles an hour, yeah. or a nut, nut bag, as my husband calls me. <laughs> um, so l- lucky he's a good, quiet country boy, or it just wouldn't work. So I have to, you know, all of the things that you know socially could be considered wrong with me, which is what's the norm? There's no such thing as normal have been my greatest assets. Being an anxious person, I get shit done. But I do need to constantly be, Bryony, right now, you've got no money. I know you are worried about how you're going to pay people tomorrow. But right now, all you're doing is eating your dinner. Just eat your dinner. And you've got to take you've got to take the moments. One of the things that I did when I was under a lot of stress was I never looked at my bank account before I went to bed. Don't ever do that because you're just going to make yourself feel sick. So control what you can control and always have an out. So for me, it was so important that at the beginning of us talking, Tim, I said that, you know, my pain point was I needed to know that I could go and earn a certain amount and pay it off over a certain time. So if you don't have that, if you don't have that out for yourself, you're always going to be feeling like you should get out now because you haven't set your boundaries. So I do think it's about having boundaries set so that you know what you're working towards uh, from a positive and a negative and just constantly checking in with your gut because I had more people tell me this would fall on its ass than I ever got support, aside from my husband and some family members. most people had no belief in me at all. I mean, I remember sitting next to a woman at one event I went to. She asked me what I was doing and I told her and she said, why on earth would you start a makeup brand? There's so many already, apart from wanting to punch her in the nose. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, like, what? So you're going to get doubters. You've just got to listen to your gut. If you know that this is what? right and it's going to work, keep moving forward. What she was really saying was, I wish I was you, I reckon. Yeah, I think I think it's that whole, I've got to bring you down because you're making me feel insecure for the lack of what I'm do- not doing. So it's, it's, it's never going to be easy. And I think the hardest thing anyone will ever do is getting to know themselves. And I, I think if you could get to know yourself, what makes you tick, where your threshold is to back out of something, Get serious with yourself. Like it's not a failure or you are not a failure if you decide that you will only give something 12 months or or you will only spend 10 grand or you like whatever it is, your comfort zone is your comfort zone and that's not right or wrong. That's you and you need to be really, really blatantly honest with yourself and then you will be successful and success is happiness, isn't it? You know, it's really about being happy with what you are creating, what you've done in your life and where you're at and only you can do that. Bryony Kennedy, I think you're ace. It's a great story. Uh, It's a story in the making. You are coming back on this podcast in... Uh, I'm going to say two, maybe three years time because I reckon you're going to have just even more great advice and more great news on a brand that's growing day by day. Thank yeah, I you. Can promi- I can absolutely promise I will. And thank you so much for your time, Tim. Adorncosmetics.com.au is where you will find all Briny's cosmetics and products and tutorials. You may even find me, fellas, you know, uh, yeah. in a tutorial going forward. Yeah, I'll put myself out there. A lot of work to be done, yeah. a lot of cracks to be filled, but I reckon we can get there, Briny. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for your time. There you go, team. Adorn Cosmetics founder, Bryony Kennedy. Jeez, I have a huge admiration for founders like Bryony. 
They, they roll up their sleeves. They build a business through sheer determination and some smart marketing without spending a fortune. They just have a red hot go, an RHG. Is that a hashtag? If it's not, let's make it one. Hashtag RHG. Here's my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Bryony. Attention grabber number one. I love how she was offering memberships to her beauty salon clients before even starting a dawn. That's just clever marketing. If you'd like to find out more about how to do that pricing model, take a listen to my chat with naturopath Catherine Maslin in episode 465. She completely turned her business around by simply offering memberships. Very clever. Great for cash flow. Attention grabber number two. I love how Bryony's chosen to be the face of her brand and how she does Facebook lives from the bath for her adorners. Did you pick up that she calls her precious clients adorners? I love it when business owners give their clients particular names. I think it's fun. It also positions her as a brand that's different to all the other very serious brands in her category. So pretty clever marketing there by Bryony. Attention grabber number three. I love how she's crystal clear on her customers' pain points and helps address them with a bunch of inexpensively produced videos, which you'll find behind the tutorials button on her website. Really clever. And you've got to love a bit of helpful marketing, right? That's what my book's all about. The Boomerang Effect. Helpful marketing. That's what grabbed my attention. Love to know what grabbed yours. Call the Small Business Big Marketing hotline after the show's over on 480 0-4-8-0. 015150 and let me know. Be sure to mention your name and your business so you get a free bit of publicity, just like listener Joe did. Hey, Timbo, my name's Joe, and uh, my wife and I own a professional car detailing business here on the Sunshine Coast, uh, just like you down in uh, Warana. And I just really wanted to call up and say thank you so much for all your podcasts. They're amazing, get so much insight and wisdom out of them. It's really awesome to hear other people's stories. And I really just wanted to ring you today to say thank you. And um, I've really got a lot out of the podcast. We've tried a lot lately to build our awareness online and uh, become the knowledge bank of our industry by creating a lot of videos, trying to answer very commonly asked questions on Google and YouTube uh, so that people will watch our videos. They'll get to know us. They're very raw and real and open and honest. We try to do a lot of myth-busting videos so that people build that trust with us without even uh, coming in and meeting us in person. Uh, and that really helps because I think you've shared it before, but we tried to, you know, not be a salesperson, but rather a consultant when they come into our business and uh, they just want to come in and book in. They don't necessarily come in to be convinced on using our service. So that's been a really important uh thing that we've done in our business that is just helping immensely. Uh, thanks to all your interviews and podcasts that you've had that's really helped us along the way. And we're noticing a massive difference with the kind of customers we're getting in. Uh, they're already wanting to use our services because they've seen us online uh, and they see our workshop, they see what we do, they see our team, and uh, we try to be as transparent as possible. And uh, one thing I've really uh, wanted to do was step out of our comfort zone and uh, really go the next level and we're actually hosting a, a, a supercar car show, a charity car show here at our workshop. We're having over 20 supercars on display. It's never been done before on the Sunshine Coast uh, and it's very scary what we bit the bullet and we're doing it. It's all raising money for the Wishlist Foundation uh, and it's great because at the same time we're raising money for a great charity but we're really building the brand of supercars. So that's your Ferraris, McLarens, 
um, you know, all those uh, higher end exotic cars that they come to us uh, and uh, it's really good for brand awareness. So that's it from me. Thank you so much and uh, thanks for your time, mate. Bye. Hey, thanks, Joe. Love it when a local business is listening to my podcast, but you didn't leave your business name. That's okay. I found it. A quick Google revealed that your business is called cleangetaway.com.au and great website, by the way, buddy. Really, really good. In an industry where probably websites aren't fantastic, you have really nailed it. Um, I love your phrase, be a consultant, not a salesperson. More of us could learn from that. Hosting a charity car show. Genius, genius, genius. Get out of your comfort zone more often, champion, because that, my friend, is where the magic happens. That just about brings us to the end of episode 562. Got some amazing business founders coming up. If there's someone you'd love me to interview, though, email me, tim at timreid.com.au and tell me, who would you love to hear from? If you haven't already, be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. It'll show you how to create helpful marketing and why you should. I'd love to hear from you. So do call the Small Business Big Marketing hotline on 0480-015-150. And if you are loving the podcast, you'll find 561 more episodes on your favourite podcast app. This podcast, as usual, presented by me, the music bed, yeah, supplied, produced, sung, recorded, by Rockstar Lockie Dolly and somehow producer Romy Scher pulls it all together geniusly. Thanks, Romy. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now. <laughs>